Welcome to the IAH Podcast, where we profile fellows of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities here at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth. In this episode, Melissa Clay speaks with John McGowan, professor of English and former director of the IEH. In their conversation, Professor McGowan reflects on lessons of leadership, his favorite moments in the classroom, and an influential philosophical text that has become an integral part of his teaching. So thank you so much for this, oh, yeah, um, for sure. taking the time to do this. And congratulations on the Johnson Prize. Oh, thank you. I was thrilled. Totally thrilled. Just, I mean, you know, George, you haven't, I don't know if you've met George. I George haven't. is one of the great people in the world, and so... Just to be associated with him is wonderful. So, And so you'll be back in November yes. when we have a <laughs> yes. in your honor. I guess I just want to ask you a little bit about your time as the director of sure. the IAH, yeah. Uh, yeah. especially because next year we'll be celebrating 30 years. Mm-hmm. And um, if you could just talk a little bit about what you see from your perspective, the work that you've done here mm-hmm. at the Institute sure. and um what you see for the future of the IAH and its role here at UNC? Well, you know, I got involved with the IAH almost the day I arrived on campus because um, Rule Tyson, the founding director, had created the place on campus where the most intellectually interesting and diverse kinds of conversations were taking place. And so I got pulled in. I, I think I was at West House for a meeting within two weeks of coming to campus here. I think it was a reading group that was comprised of people from sociology, history, philosophy. So Rule had really gathered this intellectual community and made it clear that, you know, this was the place where the most exciting, cutting-edge things were going on on campus. And then from there, I got involved. You know, I worked with Rule on various things and ended up as an associate director here mm-hmm. and was involved in a little bit in the fundraising for the new building, and I actually was con- running the fellow seminars and ran the first seminars that were run in the new building. So, How was that? Uh, it was wonderful, although I'm not sure who wants this story told, but uh, famously, um, the building had no heat. And <laughs> on this campus, you know, we, all, we ran down the basement and said, why does the building have no heat? There's no furnace. But the reason there's no furnace is because everything is connected through the uh, steam plant. Mm -hmm. So there aren't separate furnaces in the building. They just had forgotten to connect us up. (laughs) (laughs) So they had to dig up all the new landscaping and put in the pipes from here to Hill Hall so we could get heat. So that was a little bit embarrassing. (laughs) But otherwise, it was wonderful. I mean, the space, you know, we grew into the space, obviously. At the beginning, in some sense, it's like moving into a house that's three times bigger and the one they had before, and it's like, what are we going to do with all this space? Mm-hmm. But eventually, by the time I became director three or four years later, there was more demand for the space than we could handle, and we mm-hmm. had to start trying to ration it in various kinds of ways the way it was used. So, Here's a question I have for you. For the, you went through the academic leadership mm-hmm. program yeah. yourself, and, and then you directed the IAH. Were there, can you speak on any lessons that you learned in the program oh, that you then yeah. applied yeah. and l- lessons learned? Well, you know, as a CCL experience, which then is, so that's the Center for Creative Leadership. Mm-hmm. All of our academic fellows go for a week to their in- program at the CCL. It's very much a people-oriented program. It's a human capital program. And what it teaches you, I think, more than anything else, 
is to understand your own strengths and weaknesses. There's a very intensive 360 evaluation of who you are, what your style is, what kind of things make you uncomfortable, what kind of things are easy for you to do. But it also makes you incredibly aware that that's true of everybody you work with. Mm. Everyone you work with has things they're good at, things they're not good at. And what they stress is you're not going to change people, but what you need to do is put people in the circumstances where they can succeed because you're calling on their talents and their strengths. And, you know, the weird thing about being an academic leader, there you are, I was 53 years old. Academics are lone wolves. Right. I'd never had a staff. Mm-hmm. I'd never had to manage a budget. I'd never had to manage a schedule for a building and for a kind of fairly complicated enterprise. So it just taught me the basic thing about a staff and how to organize a staff so you get the work done you need to done at the same time where you give people a chance to succeed and to feel satisfied with the work they're doing. That's great. You are a teacher. You are a mm-hmm. professor, yeah. you're, like you said, and, and that's, that's your background. What are your favorite moments in teaching? Oh, yeah, this Carolina is a joy to teach. It's a wonderful place to teach. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have great students. In fact, we had, uh, in some of our conversations at the Institute, um, we had something called an appreciative inquiry, mm-hmm. which was to say when you begin a conversation with people about what they need and what they're looking to accomplish, um, start with the things they appreciate, not with their complaints. <laughs> and we had a session like that here at the Institute, and it was astounding going around the table. And with some of the people I never would have expected this from, where they said the thing they appreciate most is the chance to teach these students at Carolina. Mm-hmm. So we have these astounding students, and there's moments every day when you just see the light bulb go on and a student get excited about something. Mm-hmm. And last semester I was teaching the hoariest of the classics, the Iliad and oh. Sophocles, Oedipus Rex, mm-hmm. and Aeschylus's Agamemnon. And I just had these, and I had, it was a very diverse group of students. I had students who were going to become pharmacists, physical therapists. It was a general education class. And they just got into it. It was one of the best classes I've ever taught. It was really fabulous. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I just recently learned that here at UNC, that Cal- in the College of Arts and Sciences is where everyone starts. So, right, yeah. So th- that yeah. is even more, you know, like you said, in your class you had all kinds of students and yet this this class was able to bring them all together and mm-hmm. and yeah. lights went off well of you know we're really blessed here and it's mm-hmm. for a big state university we're actually small we're really small compared to michigan or ohio state or wisconsin the big 10 schools which are huge so result is we still have a college feel and then the fact that we everyone comes through the college in mm-hmm. those first two years of general ed contributes to that. And then finally, you know, we're blessed too. We're very compact physically, actually. The central campus is pretty small here. You yourself, what, are, what, what, is, a, what is your favorite book or a book that you find meaningful that maybe you go back to? Oh, boy, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I teach almost every year now, bizarrely. Um, I never would have guessed this. I teach Kant's Critique of Judgment. And Kant's Critique of Judgment is Kant's Aesthetics. It's mm-hmm. the book where he t- tries to think about the place of art within human existence. And it's, it's a tough book. I mean, it's not easy to read, but I can, 
I do it very slowly with the students, and I can usually get three-quarters of the students to uh, finally both understand what Kant is doing and also see why it's interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's an important book to me because, you know, I do believe in art, (laughs) and art's under, under siege lots of times in our society. As you know, why do we have it? Why is it necessary? Yes. And Kant, Kant has some good, good thoughts on that subject. Mm-hmm. So. Any you want to share now? Yeah, so what Kant wants to say is that the cultivation of taste and a taste for the beautiful is both a pathway to thinking about morality because in, it's a complicated way. It's not that beautiful things are good. It's that he says, when we believe something's beautiful, we actually have a commitment to convincing other people that it's beautiful. So it's not like liking green peas. I don't really care if you like green peas or not. Mm-hmm. But if I think Van Gogh's Starry Night is beautiful, I'm worried if you going to can't see it. I want to make you able to see why that's a beautiful painting. And he says, that means I have to begin to try to get myself inside your head to see the world from your point of view. How is it that you could have a different taste than I do about what's beautiful? And he says that move, the move of trying to get into somebody's head, is the beginning of morality. Mm. Because morality is when we can start to see the world from somebody else's point of view. So we're not entirely self-oriented. So it's a, it's a complicated argument because yeah. it's more about a mental process than about the, the content of morality. But it's a very interesting argument about how we can expand our own, I guess you'd say, natural inclination to be within the echo chamber of our own mind. Right. And yeah. has universal implications. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Well, Kant is, Kant is the beginning, <laughs> or not the beginning, but he's the most important expression of a certain kind of liberal in- universalism. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all I have. Okay. Thank great. you. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was great. Oh, good. And good. I learned I enjoyed so it. much. Yeah. I love doing this. Good. <laughs> all right. Check back at ih.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events at Hyde Hall. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on our website as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IH underscore UNC.